I'm sure everybody in here has been paying attention to the news over the last eight or nine days. It's been a fascinating, uh, fascinating nine days for the world, right? Obviously. Brother Bedwell and I were on the, talking on the phone the other day, and this subject came up, and I've talked to Pastor Clark about it last week. And for those who don't know, James, you know what I'm talking about. We actually were in Bridgeview, Illinois, which is considered Little Palestine. It's called Little Palestine. It's 15 minutes outside of Chicago, right there in that 74th, uh, what, I think it goes to 74th to 89th, right, in Harlem. I've learned that they, they do everything by their blocks up there, you know. Yeah, that restaurant's on 82nd Street in Harlem. I don't know. I just, I just put it on Google Maps. Thank God for that. There's more cars that pass probably that church in one day than Jeff City will see in a whole year. <laughs> it's a just different country, different country. But uh, we all know, we all know it's been very interesting. Uh, and, and as Christians today, we are obligated to, res- to respond accordingly. God is teaching us some things. I've said it to you many times before that, that a preacher in a church should be knowledgeable and, and, and paying attention to three main things. Number one, the Bible. We should really be aware of the Bible. Number two, we need to know our history. It's very important to know our history. Why? Because if you don't learn from history, what happens? You repeat it, right? But number three, current events are a big part of all this. And this particular activity that's going on in the world right now, it really touches on all three of these subjects. I mean, we're talking about history, we're talking about current events, and we're talking about biblical, biblical things coming to happen. And it's easy for the Christian today to get discouraged. It's easy for the Christian to become fearful. And as a Christian today, we should not be fearful. We should not be concerned. We should not be worried. Everything's going as planned. Everything's going as planned. In fact, I think now is the greatest opportunity to convince the non-Bible believers that the Bible is real. God called all of these things. God is not surprised, and a student of the Bible should not be surprised either. And I I was going to preach another message. The sound of men are giving me a hard time about my titles keep changing this week until I heard a very profound statement made by one of the most influential men on the planet right now because he has the number one podcast on the planet. I like to listen to podcasts. I'm very picky and choosy about what I listen to. I love business podcasts. I love listening to Navy SEAL podcasts. I love listening to podcasts like that. But there's a man by the name of Joe Rogan. I'm not saying I endorse his podcast. I listen to him every once in a while. Joe Rogan is a very interesting character, I'll say that. But whether you like it or not, he has the number one podcast on the planet right now. Number one. By far. Like, there's not even a close second. Spotify signed him on for a deal two or three years ago that pays him 110 million dollars over the course of 10 years for his podcast. Uh, His podcast is very, very successful. He interviews some of the most brilliant minds, uh, whether it's in the medical field, but then he also talks about aliens. So he's very, he goes from all across the spectrum, right? Some of you looking at me because you've heard him before. But I I heard that he made this statement after all these things happened, and I really got intrigued by it because he said, he said, and you can look it up, I can't sleep right now because I feel like we are facing the end of the world right now as we speak. And he asked, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, he said, is this Armageddon? Is this the end? He's asking that, and millions of listeners are hearing this influencer ask this question. Wow. You see, when the unlearned, it's amazing, he knows a whole lot about a whole lot of things, but he doesn't know a whole lot about the most important thing. When the unlearned and the ignorant see things like this event, it becomes alarming, scary, intriguing to them. It's become the talking point all the last nine days. If you're paying attention to any news at all, all social media platforms are talking about it. All news channels are talking about it. Why? Because this particular activity is affecting the whole world. 
Somebody said that nothing has impacted the world like this Israel-Hamas conflict uh, since COVID. COVID was a worldwide thing. This story is worldwide. More, more intriguing, more powerful than, than even uh, Ukraine. And, 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 and the other day I heard a, a, a former spy say that every spy network on this planet predicts that the end of the world's war will start in the Middle East. Now, preacher, what are you saying? Are you saying all these things to scare me? Are you kidding me? No. I'm here to tell you what we're supposed to do. When you hear stories like this, the Christian is obligated to do something. We're obligated to respond. But it doesn't mean I'm going to get on a podcast or get on a show in my small sphere of influence and try to tell them that. No, no, no. There's something that we can learn from the, the power of the scriptures here that makes a difference. And the question is simply this. Brother Josh brought it up a little while ago. I think it's funny that he said that the power of choice and, and the choir special is about choice. And I have decided to follow Jesus. I appreciate that being a Sunday morning congregation. I usually hear that at youth camps and youth conferences all across America at the end of the, at the, end of the service for an invitation. But here it is today. We do have a choice today. We have a choice today. Here it is. It's simple this. It's now or never. It's now or never. When you're a preacher like myself that is on social media and all that, uh, you hear interesting things from people about your preaching. You just do. I get hate mail sometimes. I get a lot more positive stuff. But every once in a while, (coughs) someone will tell me (coughs) that I hate certain people or hate things because of the way I preach. And may I say to you today, (coughs) excuse me, nobody in this room has a right to tell me what I hate because you don't know what I hate. You don't. I will tell you today what I hate. There's two things I hate on this planet. Only two things. (coughs) Excuse me. That was fine in my throat right now. Number one, the devil. Number two, coffee. That's it. (laughs) Those are the only two things I hate. There, now you can, I got like... All these half-drinking water bottles by Josh Lato here. <coughs> what is this, communion, Brother Josh? It was like half-drinking water bottles. <coughs> yeah, they're all yours. They're all, they all got your name on them. But anyway, so here we go. I don't think I'm going to drink from that right now. But, uh, uh, and I'm good, I'm good. Um, but, but think about that. Think about that. It's now or never, right? Uh, Christians have a, have a unique divide. And I'm getting back to the coffee. I'll show you. Don't, think, don't think I forgot about that. I read this this week, and this is, this is about where America is right now. It's, it's, I'm not talking about lost people. <clears throat> Christians are either obsessing over Taylor Swift's new romance or wondering what chapter in Revelation we are. That's, a pretty prof- that's really a good description of Christians in America right now. I mean, we can't even watch a football game nowadays without somebody talking about that, right? But then there's others out there like, wait a minute, man, good night. Where are we in the book of Revelation? Where are we in biblical prophecy? Where are we in all this, right? And I thought that was a pretty funny uh, post there. But watch this. Do you realize that today we have a decision to make contributions to either the now or the never? The sign for contribute is this. I love the sign for contribute. It is a, that's a sign for contribute. It makes sense. You're taking something out of your pocket and contributing to something, all right? Many of you in your jobs, you contribute to a 401k. You contribute to some kind of retirement. <coughs> Every month somebody takes a, 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 a certain amount out and you contribute to that. You have contributions. Do you know the most valuable contribution we make as Christians today? Time. Time. So as I said to you just a few minutes ago, I hate the devil and I hate coffee, all right? I'm sorry if you love coffee, but I, that, you can mark it down. You can put my name on the bottom and you can sign it. I declare that today. I hate the devil and I hate coffee. That's it. Those are the only two things I hate, right? How many, how many hate coffee with me? You're with me, all right? There's a few, praise God. There's some spiritual people in the building. Amen. That's wonderful. 
We got a first time visitor that hates it. God, but we're going to connect. We're going to get on real good right there, my man. Watch this now. Don't miss this now. Every day that I don't drink coffee, I contribute to the principle of never drinking coffee. Does that make sense? I, they always say never say never. You know why they say never say never? Because a lot of times we break that contribution of never by not doing what we said we would never, by doing what we said we would never do, right? So if I were to all of a sudden drink coffee this Wednesday morning, I broke the contribution of never to drinking coffee. But rest assured, inquiring minds, I have no intentions of drinking coffee this Wednesday morning. So the principle is this. I am consistently contributing to the statement of I will never drink coffee. Now don't miss this now. As Christians today, inactivity is a dangerous contribution to never. It is a dangerous contribution. Now let's watch what Jesus says today. Jesus is all about the now. Everything about Jesus is the now. Jesus is so consumed with the now. He's the great I am. He's not as concerned about <coughs> your past. He's more, he's more excited about your future than he is your past. But he's really obsessed with and really focused on right now. He's called the great I am. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the end. Hey, Moses said, God, who do I say sent me? Tell him, I am that I am is going to send you. He is the great I am. Behold, here I am. He is the I am. Praise the Lord for that. We ought to be excited about this because Jesus is in this moment. Nothing's catching him off guard. Nothing is bewildering him. Nothing is confusing him. He knows exactly what's going down. Could this be the start of World War III? I don't know. Could this be the start of the end of the world? I don't know, but I know this. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. I said we're getting closer. And hey, somebody ought to get excited about that. You ought to anticipate this. As you see the news, you should pray for those countries. You should pray for what's going on. This is not a message on my opinions about it, although we know biblically and as a church where we stand, because the Bible tells us where to stand. But I am saying this today. We ought to pay attention, wake up, smell the coffee, if you will, and realize it's now or never. <laughs> you see, the disciples don't know that in a several months, Several years, these same disciples are going to be preaching and witnessing to Gentiles. But at this time, they're not. And Jesus knew they still had this, we'll postpone it, we'll, we'll kick it down. See, procrastinators are contributing to never. Did you know that? Every time you procrastinate something, you are contributing to the concept of never. Or you may finally end up making a decision to do something, but you're still contributing to the concept of never. So Jesus, in his wisdom, sends the disciples to the market to get some food. And he must needs go through Samaria. And he meets this woman at the well, changes her, her life, unbelievable, changes her life, and just makes a huge, huge difference in her life. And I think I shared it with you a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I did some research and found out that this woman at the well became such a valuable Christian that she was named with the apostles. She ended up standing before Nero and then was martyred by being thrown down a dry well. Isn't that fitting? She met Jesus at a well and ends up dying for Christ at a well. And she gladly died for Christ. What a testimony this woman at the well had. Somebody that many would reject, somebody that many would not have paid attention to, but Jesus said, I've got something that I'm going to do in this woman's life. And this woman immediately, immediately joined the Now Club. It's Now or Never Church. 
And so Jesus ministers to this woman. Now, the disciples know where Jesus is at. They finally come back to find him. When they come back to find him, he's not talking to the woman at the well anymore. He has a whole audience of people, a whole crowd of people. The Bible does not necessarily tell us how many are out there, but some studies that I've found says that anywhere from 400 to 1,000 people were gathered out under, by that near where Jesus was preaching. By the way, Jesus did not go into the city. He stayed by the well. The woman went and called them. They all came out to hear Jesus at the well. As they are standing there, the Bible tells us, for sake of time, as you read on down through this passage here, the Bible tells us that they came and they said, hey, we are here to hear from you because of this woman's testimony. But after they heard Jesus preach and talk for a while, they then say, we now believe not because of her word, but because of your word. Wow. That's the beautiful, that's the beautiful cycle of Christianity. It's our job to get people to Jesus, but then once they hear from Jesus, it doesn't matter. I don't need to get no credit. I don't need to get any pat on the back. You know why? He alone is worthy, amen. And when they hear from Jesus themselves, they say, he's the one that died for me. He's the one that shed his blood for me. He's the one that hung on the cross for me. Wow, I want you, Jesus. And then it becomes real to them personally. All of a sudden, I fade away. You fade away. It becomes about Jesus. Paul said, Apollo's plan somebody else watered but God gives the increase wow beautiful truths here so here's what happens all right well I want you to watch the wisdom of Jesus' words and I'll be through look at this he says in verse 31 in the meanwhile his disciples prayed him saying master eat they were concerned for him if you really break this down and, and study this out you'll find that they were actually they were actually bothered by what's happening right now because we are full-blooded Jews and Jesus is talking to a Samaritan. Why? Jesus knew that. But Jesus also knew he needed to prep them for the future activities <clears throat> in this now. Watch what the Bible says. He says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. So Jesus says to them, this is what you say. As you look out on the fields, right? And that's a true statement. It was not harvest time. We all know that. Brother Street's a farmer. You don't harvest in the winter. You don't really harvest. You plant in the spring and harvest in the summer and fall, right? Is that a good statement? There's certain times where you don't harvest. But see, they were so obsessed with the wheat fields. They were so obsessed with their Jewish customs. They were so obsessed with their ideologies. They were so obsessed with, with the ways of the world. They were so obsessed with the traditionalism. They were so obsessed with all those things that Jesus had to start to break them of it. And there's one word in here. That is so profound, and it's one word that just jumps off the pages that Jesus says that shifts everything in this passage here. So watch this. Here it is. He says, say not ye, there are yet four months and come to the harvest. That's what you say, right? The disciples, you say that. And the disciples are nodding in agreement. Yes. He's not talking to the Samaritan John. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to the church today, 2023. Hey, you say you've got time. Hey, you say you've got four months. Hey, you say you've got this and that. We've got all our plans and dreams. And I'm not against all those plans and dreams. But listen to me, as a Christian today, it is time to get a little busy for the cause of Christ. It is time to be the salt of the world. It, is, it has been time to be the light of the world. It is time to make a difference in this world. Somebody needs to see Jesus in you. Somebody needs to see Jesus in me. And, and whether it's through social media or in the workplace or even in your family, we as Christians today have got to pop today. We've got to show this world. Hey, listen to me. We've got the answer. We know the truth. And the knowledge of the truth has set me free. And it doesn't make me better than you. I'm just excited about telling you about it. Here's the deal. The Bible predicted all this. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is coming again soon. Wow, that's exciting. <clears throat> My son and I were talking yesterday afternoon and someone texted him and, 
And I hear these questions a lot. Well, why should I believe the Bible? How do I know the Bible's true? And times like this are just amazing. My son immediately replied with Jeremiah 29, 14, which says God is going to call his people home before the end of the world. Do you realize that the airlines in America could not keep up with the requests as Jews are boarding airplanes by the thousands and flying back to Israel right now as we speak? Come on, get your head out of the sand, all right? Don't worry about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift right now. Think about what's going on in the world right now. Don't worry about a lot of things that's going on in society today. There's even bigger things in the world than an election in 13 months. Somebody help me right there. I mean, there, there's a lot of churches today that are not going to talk about this. But we're going to talk about it here. You know why? Because it's getting real, church. I said, it's getting real. I said, it's getting real. I said, it's getting real. Our king is coming soon. You say, well, what if it's 10 years? Well, it's still going to be sooner today than it was uh, yesterday, right? The anticipation, the, 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 the opportunity to tell people. And immediately when my son sent that text, the person responded, wow, that makes perfect sense. Listen, now's the easiest time in history to convince an atheist the Bible's real. Pay attention. Look at the world. I'll show you where the Bible caught up thousands of years ago. This is not a shock to God. Listen, church, this is not a time to join the Kumbaya clinics and get all discouraged and defeated. Oh, my goodness. What are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to tell this world there's a coming king, and he loves you. He loves you. So let me show you this integral word, this profound word, this powerful word that changes everything in this passage here. And I'm just about through. Look at this. Here's what the Bible says. <laughs> Verse 35. Say not ye. There are yet four months, then come of the harvest. Uh-oh, what's that next word? What is it? Help me now. Two people are reading the Bible. Help me now. What is it? Behold. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. If, if Jesus says, say not you there yet four months in the harvest, it is presumed that they are already looking at the harvest field that's nearby there. But when someone says, behold, he's telling you to look at something different. I love to tease my nephews right now. My nephews are so easy to go over. If we're sitting at a table and... Um, I'll just say, look. And every time my, my twin nephews just look. And then they look back, and I'm like, ha, ha, And then they do it to me, and, they, and I point. And I got to be the crazy uncle. And I look, and they go, ha, ha, and they do that to me, too. It's really fun when they have french fries. Look, and I take, like, half the fries. They don't even notice. They look back, and I go, and they're having fries. They don't even know it, right? But as soon as you point, I'll never forget as a, I was about 13. My brother was 11. My sister was about 8. We were in Disneyland, California. And this is back in the day when people stared at deaf people like we were zoo animals. We're in a line for a ride at Disneyland. And it's a long line. And we're waiting to get there. And the whole line, you see, nowadays Americans have learned to just do the occasional glance stare. But back then they stared at us like it was so bad my dad would take his hat off off and ask for money for the show, right? I mean, that, my dad actually did that. <laughs> but this particular time, we're walking through this line. And these people, bless their heart, they don't know that my brother and I can hear. We're listening to their conversation. We're listening to them talk to us. See them talking with their hands? Are they actually communicating? Wow, what are they saying to each other? Da, da, da. And my brother and I would just feed my dad this for a while. You know, hey, this is what they're saying. Da, da, da. Finally, my dad had enough. You know, and he says, my dad just all of a sudden looks up in the sky like this. Of course, my dad was 6'5". You know, he's like, and he looks at the family and he just points. That's all he did. For the next five to ten minutes, we got to hear the hearing people say, what is the big deaf man pointing at? What was he pointing at, church? Absolutely nothing. But it got their eyes off of us and onto some blank sky out there while we got to talk as a family again. And it's a story I've always loved to tell. 
because it's amazing how you can influence people. But in this particular story, Jesus is saying, you say, four months and come of the harvest. You say, church, we've got plenty of time. You say, church, this is just the same old thing that's happening in Israel, Hamas. Same old thing, same old thing. You say, you say. Jesus says, but I say unto you, behold. And when he said behold, he's not talking about the wheat or the corn or the soybean or even the tobacco that might have been out in that field. When he said behold, he said, look at the people. Behold. When those disciples looked, they saw. I think this is where things start to change. They didn't just see Samaritans anymore. They saw souls. They saw souls. A man in this church years ago said, I would never work in the prison ministry. I don't think he's not here anymore. He's been gone for a long time. I would never work in the prison ministry because I, they don't deserve to hear about the gospel. They messed up and they're in prison for that reason. I said, well, sir, I pray for you because that's not the right spirit to have. Because when these men go into prisons tonight, Brother Roy, and you stand up, they look at men. Many of us in society, we look at them as criminals, and they are. They broke the law. But when Jesus says, behold, he says, look at their souls. Look in Hamas, see their souls. Look in Israel, see their souls. You do understand today that Israel is not a Christian nation. You do understand today that Israel is very secular, very humanistic, very anti-anything Jesus Christ. Oh, they'll talk about God. They have so many break-offs now. Kabbalah, I think, is one of the big ones that a lot of the celebrities worship. And there's all kinds of, ask Brother Andy, he knows a lot about this. I mean, Israel is in a mess right now. But the king's coming someday to set it all in order. Church, we, it's now or never. I do not want to contribute to the never. So Jesus says this, and I'm done. Say not ye there yet four months and cometh harvest. Behold. Behold. He says, behold. I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap, and wherein ye bestowed no labor, other men labored, ye are entered into their labors. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying, man, we're all in this together, church. We're all in this thing together. Those of you that clean the building and watch the nursery, those that preach in the prisons, and those that sing in the choir, and those that we're all in this together. Why? Because we want one more soul. Why? It's white already to harvest. There's people out there that are getting hungry. People are scared. The number one podcaster on the planet says he can't sleep at night because he's afraid of the end of the world. And millions of people heard that. And I'm sure it got scaring to them, but we're not scared. I slept well last night. You know why? Because I've read the last chapter. I know what Jesus has got planned. I know what he's doing. It's unfolding right before our eyes. I'm not discouraged. I'm not defeated. Why? My king is coming back someday. My king is coming back someday. But you, Brother Josh, we have a choice today. What are we going to contribute to? The now or the never? The disciples were still contributing to the never at this point. Jesus was always a contributor to the now. But after the crucifixion and resurrection and the filling of the Holy Spirit, guess what happens to these disciples? They come to the other side. Their behold was different. Brother Street, they weren't worried about the corn and the wheat, the soybean. They got excited about the soul of a man. The soul of a woman, the soul of a teenager, the soul of a child. Two children got saved in junior church last Sunday at Bible Baptist Church. 
I watched Pastor Clark, a 77-year-old pastor, who's been pastoring the same church for 52 years, lead a homeless woman to Christ at the altar in front of the church last Sunday morning. And he did it the old school way. He, he, she came up to him, and he just said, bow your head, and they just prayed, and she got saved right there at the altar. Listen, people are getting harder. No, no, they're getting softer, church. Well, I'll tell you what, don't even get me started with Jeff right now. Jeff for so I've never seen the deaf as hungry for the gospel to, uh, ever in my life as they are right now. They want it. They're hungry. They're searching. Church, let's, let's listen to what Jesus says. Ye say there's four months, but I say to you, behold. Behold. Be a part of the now. Make a difference in the now. Let's be game changers in the now. Because our king is coming. Heads your bad eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well today. It was not the path I would have chosen. I could see no hope from where I stood and even though I knew what God had promised I didn't see how he could work it for my good in that road where pain was my companion it took me to an unexpected place standing in darkness that was where my heart would learn to say I choose Christ when everything around me says give up I choose faith I choose to trust to believe he is good he'll come through like he said he would every time to understand I choose Christ 